Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I got friends only want to talk business. I got expensive, because when is expensive? I got expensive, because when is expensive? I've been out of work. And welcome to Put That Coffee Down, the Freight Sales Show for Closers. My name is Kevin Hill, as usual, and we have a very cool episode. We're going to talk about the hiring market here with Mr. Brent Warsuga from Pinnacle Growth Advisors. He's a founder and CEO over there, and he is the hiring master. Uh, we're going to job interview tips. We're going to talk about what companies are looking for right now. And we're going to discuss some of his videos that he has on LinkedIn, where he really goes in depth on on how to get a job in freight, how to transition around freight. Brent, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you having me. I always enjoy our conversations. I do too. I, I do too. We're going to talk about the floor in the market first. Uh, everyone's been talking about it. Uh, you can see it from different data points on shipments and rejections, things like that. But you know what? One of the good leading indicators of everything is the, the job market. And you've seen a, uh, a shift change since early this year, Q1, Q2, and the Q3. What have you been saying? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been an interesting year to say the least. I think if you do study Q1 and Q2, so January through June, there is no disconnect that it was sales heavy, sales dominant. Because you have to remember, too, that in reality, in any company, sales drives every other position. So it doesn't matter if you have the best operations team, engineer, marketing. If you don't have freight, none of that matters. So what we saw the first six months of the year was very, what I'm going to call, player-focused. Everybody turned back into a seller, even if you were a mid-level manager. It was very individual contributor-heavy. Uh, and that really stayed the course pretty thick through June. Now, a very important thing that we've noticed even in the last three weeks is the shift on the other side. So for the first time in 2023, we have started to get phone calls for operationally driven roles. Carrier sales, account manager, customer success. Now, the significance around that, that means, in my mind, that freight is there. Volumes are up. Hey, now we have the service. We thinned out, but maybe that's now changing. So I really, really pay attention to that trend and read between the lines in a positive way. And uh, I can assure people we are there. And if you think about it, you know, you, you look at the big public companies that uh, are 3PLs, freight brokerages, uh, but also TIA, other other sources, you're, you're seeing a 40% drop in gross revenue basically across the board. And that's just the market dynamics. That is not necessarily uh, business fundamentals, how you're operating yourself. That's just the, the, the price of freight right now. But when it drops 40%, then yeah, you don't, you don't need engineers. You don't need ops people. You don't need marketing people. You don't need anything. You need everybody on the phone building back that book of business or at least in a stalemate, you know, treading water. You know, you're trying to do anything to, to, to save the year. So seeing those 
other functions pick up in hiring, I agree. It's a great sign. Yeah. And I think, you know, when, when you have these dip moments, look, here's the reality too. This is not foreign to our industry. The no. reality is it's like the Olympics. It comes around every four years. So I think if nothing else, companies that, you know, they need to evaluate everything internally. You know, this is a great chance to reset where you are. You evaluate your people, you evaluate your tools, you evaluate your uh, contracts and agreements you have in place. And I think that's really what happened. So well, yes, when you do see these layoffs, when you see these hard decisions made, sometimes it is for the health of the organization. Sometimes it is to make them better because I can assure you the leaders know it's not going to stay down forever. What goes mm -hmm. down must come up and vice versa. So I actually look at it, a lot of these changes as a positive for these companies to get kind of leaner and meaner. And so it's not all negative, to be honest with you. It, it is a negative, and, and it is cyclical, and it's, it's the nature of the business. And anyone who's only been here since 2020, 2021, uh, you, you came in on the, the highest point uh, in, a, in a couple decades. You know, we have ups and downs. This is the most volatile up and down that, that most of us have seen. And uh, it's just uh, the, the nature of business, and it's going to pass. Well, it pass. And let's stay there for a second because I think you bring up a great point. There is a complete generation of people that did come in at the peak of the peak, the best time ever. Honestly, a historical once in a century mm -hmm. run. There will be books written about this, as you know. And so when you come into an environment like that, we all know that the reality is you're servicing, not really selling. Companies are so busy, maybe they don't even have the time or infrastructure to properly train and onboard you. So to be honest with you, the people that have had a tough go in 23, I don't necessarily fault them. I don't think it's a lack of talent. I think that it's a, it's, this is the first time that they don't know what they don't know and the, they're being exposed, but it's not for a lack of skill or desire. It's for a lot of moving parts that occurred during, again, a historical run. So that's just another thing where that side of the coin is kind of going away because there's not a huge desire to take on new, right? When there's a down market, think about what companies need. Plug and play. Can you port business? How quickly can you ramp up? It's not that deals are not getting done. It's just that deals are getting done at a higher level. Mm -hmm. They are. They're, they're getting done at a higher level. Now, Bringing in salespeople for plug and play in this industry, I don't really want to go down the, the non-compete rabbit hole, um, but that, that's difficult to do because of non-competes uh, or certainly non-solicitations, right? And, and those are, are pretty pretty well established. But how do you evaluate specifically salespeople if you're hiring someone that you want to be a rainmaker, let's say? Um, someone, because you were, were talking about it, are they... a did they have great numbers because the system they were working in and the company before this, or do they have the, the abilities and the attributes that they, they can come in and ramp up fast? You know, and I think it's a combination of both. I will say that in 23, we have heard the three words, which sometimes makes my antenna go up, which is book of business. And there is a massive disconnect within the industry when it comes to this, because companies would love to have people with this portable book and things that are going to come over a board. But like you just said, non-solicit, non-competes make that difficult. 
The other side of the coin is I think sometimes you have sellers who think they're in very deep with these clients. That's my guy. That's my person. Mm -hmm. You know, I go to ball games. I know his wife and kids. But you got to remember, usually everybody has someone above them who still has to sign off. And even Mm -hmm. though that could be your person, your contact, when you ask to make a move, when probably there's not really pain points on their end, yeah, are they really going to come with you? So we still see a lot of sellers. They're sellers. They're sellers, right? So this is going to happen. Oversell themselves, oversell expectations, and that just creates a bad marriage. Now, what you're saying and something that I live off of, I tell companies hire the player, not just the playbook. Mm-hmm. And when that comes down to all the intangibles that we always talk about, right? How hungry is this person? Do they have a desire to win? Are they coachable, receptive to feedback? How are they wired, right? Because if they're coming into the interview asking about how many days they get to work from home, PTO time, you know, do we do we shut it down at five o'clock? Look, wrong industry. You want the reality? That's the wrong industry for this because this is a 24-7 game. So there's just a lot of moving parts that come into even the interview process to determine who is a good fit and who's not. I, I thought you were going to do an exact monologue that Ben Affleck did in Boiler Room there. It was a little bit of that Pikers, right? That's, that, my, that, favorite, that's my favorite scene. But look, yeah, if, same. You come, if you come into this industry, you do it to a degree, have to know what you're signing up for. This is not an eight to five job. This is not an out of office uh, job, right? You're going to get phone calls yeah. at seven o'clock, two in the morning on a Saturday, but the people that solve those problems are usually the people that win as well. And so if you're willing to go that extra route, which some are not, it's going to actually work in your favor. I guarantee you many people have gotten business by what they've done early mornings, late at nights, and on the weekends when others don't. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best it's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com wonder i guarantee it that's how i get uh, a lot of my business is 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 those hours those early mornings late evenings weekends just outworking everybody else um and we, we used to also had uh, we used to have a saying more freight more problems that's it and they should change the verbiage yeah. from freight broker to problem solver because that's exactly yeah. what it is right and if you don't yeah. solve that problem guess what there's eighteen thousand other brokerages waiting for you to screw up who will gladly take that assignment and they will they will they're they're calling your customers all the time right now and it is a a service industry you got to be that that great waiter that sommelier that expert in the field you got to pick your niches so you can do that or you're going to get cremated on the the load boards and spot market of the vanilla freight out there because that's a race to the bottom well, and here's the problem with low-hanging fruit. Everybody can grab it. Yep. And, and you and I discussed this too. When you turn into a year like this where price is a dominant thing, and look, we live in reality, we get it, but if you, the sales 101, if you sell on price, you lose on price. There is always going to be someone cheaper. 
Now, just like anything in life, you get what you pay for. Quality mm-hmm. may be diminished, but in the market like today, sometimes that doesn't matter. So, you know, that's something to be leery of as well. Are you really a high producing seller or are you the cheapest out of 15 people that were sent on an email blast that day? And it's usually the, the, the former. Uh, this market really does. Uh, right before uh, the financial crisis, I was selling marketing and uh, and and advertising to as part of a financial publishing company, right? To M&A bankers, law firms, intermediaries, whatever, the greatest M&A market in the world uh, until 2008 and 2009, where it went from the, the highest levels to nothing. And it was such a different sales game and such a different, it, it'll pound you and beat you mentally um, when when that goes away. But you just have to plot along. Right, you have to. That's what separates uh, the people who are successful in the industry with those that that aren't. Well, you know, this is I use some funny verbiage that I think people laugh at, but it resonates too. But you know, there's a lot of talk about book of business. A book is not a true page. A book is thick. It has a lot of chapters and a lot of moving parts to it. So that's the mindset you have to have too. Is how thick is my book? Right? How many different people am I offering? Am I, am I one dimensional? Do I have five accounts that can go to three in the blink of an eye? Um, you always have to be prospecting, always have to be selling. This is a high contact sport that we play. And I think that that's the biggest issue that people have is they don't have enough in the hopper. If you want to get real granular with this, why is there emotions? Why do people get defeated? Why do they uh, get burnt out or discouraged? Because when deals get sideways, which they always do in sales, if you don't have enough behind it, you feel it. If you have 20 things going on and one goes away, it's no big deal. Yep. That's the biggest thing that I try to teach anybody in sales is you got to have more going than you think. And it goes back to the book, right? The book isn't about people you're doing business with right now. It's, it's your entire pipeline. It's that top of the funnel. And that is one of the, the most valuable lessons I learned the hard way back during the financial crisis is the reason why I did so poorly in 2009 and 2010 is I did not have the pipeline. Prospecting and the pipeline is a great equalizer. I, 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 you, the first time you were on the show back a couple of years ago, yeah. uh, you gave me a line that I, I use quite a bit on this show. There's two things that you can control. And I'm a big believer in just worry about the things you can control. What you can't control, you can't control. So don't, no reason to worry about it before it even happens, but activity and attitude. That's it. And that, 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 will, never, that will never change because that is you versus you. You can mm-hmm. come into the office in a positive mindset or negative. You can be, you know, that's, I'm, I'm going to stay there for a second because this is very important when I even talk to people. What I look for is like, what is their lens? How do they see things? Because there's only two types. There's somebody who sees it internally or externally. An externally focused person, the market stinks. My ops can't support me. The pricing isn't good. I can't get RFPs back. No one's answering the phone. Or I love that people that have what I call accountability. I didn't make enough calls this week. I wasn't uh, up to par with servicing that account. You know, I should have been more communicative with my operations team. There's a big difference there. And I don't think people understand as they interview, people pick up on that. Nobody wants a complainer. Nobody wants a finger pointer. If you can own your stuff, have accountability, 
people are going to respect that a lot more. That's a, that's a phenomenal point right there. It, it is. So, so let's stay there a, a little bit more because we were talking about attributes and people, are they the player yep. or is it the system? I think that's one of the leading indicators of, of identifying players is, and, and I'll take a little bit different analogy to it. Are you competing with yourself or are you competing against everybody else? Right. I, I like people who compete against themselves, right? Because they're always pushing themselves to be better instead of competing against everybody else, because then you can start pointing fingers at, at everybody else. You know, I lost out to this company because they're bigger. You know, the, the, the market stinks or, you know, this, this transportation manager just doesn't get it. Um, it's up to you to solve all those issues. Well, and here's the thing, competing against other people, that could be a low standard. If they have a low standard, are you really challenging and making yourself better? But I think that's the biggest thing in every company and every individual is what is your standard? You have heard me say this a thousand times. You are what you tolerate. So even internally, as we look at these brokerages, if a company is allowing somebody to remain who's only doing two, five grand a month, that's what you're saying is okay. You are speaking mm -hmm. to the floor, whether it be subconsciously or not. That that's our identity. That's okay. You're doing good enough. Good enough doesn't work in hard markets. There has to be a standard raise and a level of expectation internally within the individual, as well as amongst leadership and management. Did you see from uh, this brings up a question? Did, did you see from from management as the market turned last year that they delayed the, a lot of tough decisions? Hoping is hope that we weren't really turning for in, in the next stage of the cycle. Did they put a, off hard decisions that they probably should have made a little bit early on? I think a lot of companies are very reactive. Yes. I think that, you know, they, they can't see through three months and six months of hard. And the problem is when you start to make cuts and it's not just always at the low level. You know how many really good, talented people that were making hundreds of thousands of dollars that we know got cut? They weren't bad people. They were on a pedestal for a decade, right? Yeah. But at the time, they had to go through a, a tough environment. So I do think companies are reactive at some times. And I don't think that they put into consideration the time, energy, money, focus it takes to start over with brand new people. Because the reality is most people are going to take three to six months to get any activity, any book off the ground, where would you have just been better off maybe having a high produce, producer dip a little bit than starting all over again? You are. are. And when we were talking about that, that ramp up time, you mentioned earlier, deals are getting done at a higher level. Yeah. Right. And that's a higher ramp up time. You know, that's a higher sales cycle. And it's just naturally, you know, you're not going to get all the answers you need on the revenue side tomorrow, no matter who you hire. Well, and, and look at it. The, the market tells you everything you need to know. I mean, do you see a lot of companies with new hired training classes? We're getting new grads. We're going to the colleges for a June training class. You don't. And when all of this stuff went sideways, I even told people on our side, I said, we're actually going to get more in demand. Because the product that we offer is a premium product, right? It's plug and play all day long. And I was right because I knew that was going to happen where nobody's calling me for, hey, do you have somebody with six months or less experience at 50 grand? I'm not getting those calls, but I am getting the phone calls that, you know what? Rather than pay somebody 50 or three of those people, 
Why don't you give me someone who's 150 in plug and play because the dollars are the dollars? They are. The, the dollars are the dollars. Let's shift gears just a second here because you've been traveling a little bit. I have. I've been... Uh, see some European pictures and things. Yeah, you know, we took my wife and, uh, and my two daughters, 10 and 7, for the first European trip. So we went over to Paris and London, which was amazing. And kudos to those little girls because... My wife is equally as uh, energetic and crazy as me, and we can't sit still. So we were dragging them all around, but it was uh, it was a great trip for sure. You know, and, and one of the posts I did, which was crazy, but I think this correlates to business. Mm-hmm. I, lear- I learned out there that the Eiffel Tower was built by only 200 people. Really? That's an insane stat to me. So I think that can correlate to everything that we deal with in the freight game, right? It's not always about uh, quantity as much as quality. You don't have to be this massive place and fill all these seats. If you have the right people in the right seat, you can be small and dangerous and equally as profitable and everything else. So as crazy as that sounds, it was actually a very fitting conversation or, or story I learned out there. I was going to ask you what lessons you learned in business from, from you know just taking a break, taking a breather, going to Europe. Uh, kind of relaxing your mind, you know, was that helpful? You know, the the biggest value that I found as crazy as it sounds is on the 10 hour flights because, yeah. you know, when I'm in the midst of things, my phone's blowing up, I'm getting texts like most people, my watch is pinging. Uh, it is hard for me to turn it off. Unfortunately, I'm not wired that way. But when I'm in the air with sometimes no <laughs> Wi-Fi, uh, it allows me, but I work on different things, right? That's where I work on vision. Where do I want to see mm-hmm. Pinnacle go? Are there certain clients I want to see? So I'm always working. It might not be in recruiting, but I'm always coming up with visions and plans and everything else. But, you know, another part of travel that I did is the end of June, I went out to Chicago. You know, I'm a very big component of you got to go into these offices to see what's going on, talk to leadership, feel the energy. And I did 10 office visits in two and a half, t- two and a half days. Even being there on site, I could feel the shift. The energy was there. Uh, people were standing up, not sitting down, which I like to see, believe it or not, and especially mm-hmm. in a brokerage environment. Um, I was hearing about load count increases. It definitely was not the doom and gloom that we saw three months previous. So again, that's a very telling sign to me that we're on the up and up. And that's good to, to hear, being on the up and up, because no one wants to go through the last uh, year that, that everyone's gone through. Uh, maybe not back to the pandemic levels of craziness, but back to a more normal, even market uh, is, I think, what everyone wants to see right now. Yeah, and look, it, and it will, right? It will. It, it always has. I mean, it, this cannot sustain for, for much longer. And, and again, we went through the, the bottom of it. But, you know, I think, too, like companies have to evaluate how if we, if we had that much of a hit during a couple funky months, are we truly in a competitive environment and landscape to win when things flip? Do we have the infrastructure? Is our funding in place? Are all our partner relations where we need to be? See, I was always taught during these hard markets is like the perfect time to reevaluate things, reassess agreements. When everybody's feeling pain points, maybe you're going back and asking for different pricing on technology. Mm-hmm. So some people took advantage of that and some just kind of, you know, went the hard way and just, you know, hey, we'll figure it out. 
I, yeah, no, and I, I think it, it it shows when the next cycle hits, right? The next up cycle that the people who have reevaluated or prepared for it are going to capture capture the entire market rise. Where yep. those that that haven't aren't going to aren't going to take advantage of that that market until it's almost done, and they'll get up to speed about the time it turns again, and you get into the self fulfilling cycle of always not being prepared. That's right. It really is. Let's talk about a little bit of interview tips here. Yeah. Right? Because I saw a video uh, where, where I don't know if you sent somebody in or, or wearing a hat and in oh, shorts. Yeah. So look, this is this is a real thing. Like I don't just make these videos up. These are always based on like real life unfortunate situations. You know, look, COVID uh, changed the game, right? And leisure wear, everybody got very comfortable. Everyone's at home. I get it. But to me, interviewing is maybe an hour deal. If you can't dress up for one hour, we have issues. Everybody should have a pair of slacks, a polo, a belt, nice shoes, and can kind of comb their hair and maybe shave that day. Look, I believe presentation matters. We, When I was in Chicago, I had companies tell me, oh, we turned this person down because of X, Y, and Z. Now, look, those are non-HR conversations, but this is very real. Like, I'm coming from a place where I'm trying to help people. It is an absolute separator. And Kevin, going back to what we discussed, that is a controllable item. It's a controllable item. You can decide mm-hmm. to show up that day for a small period. Look, put basketball shorts in your car if you need to change afterwards. Or God forbid, if it's on Zoom, you can have that underneath, right? Just the newscaster game. But it doesn't take that long to put a polo and a blazer on, perhaps, or a dress shirt for any kind of call. Um, Number one, that's very important. Number two, people have got to be able to come prepared with statistics, with stats. Tell me about what you've sold. What is your GP? How many customers are you servicing? How many did you bring on in the last six months? How have you adapted through this time? Do you have a sales strategy? See, I'm a big believer in role-playing, and I think way too many people wing it. Well, I'm coming from XYZ Company, so I'm good. Okay. But you've got to be prepared. Again, you only have one hour to show up. So show up. I know. I I think you could only get away with a hat and shorts if you build up a $100 million brokerage and sold it. And then you're going in for interviews. It's something, you know, I mean, other than that, you know, don't even think about it. Yeah, look, I mean, it, it, it's tough for me to see that because, again, I, I just come from a place I want everybody to win. And I think that, again, that can go back to you are what you tolerate. If you're allowing people in your office to wear hats and have flip flops and dress very casual, again, you're speaking to the floor. That's an identity. So what would happen if somebody came from the outside suited and booted? They would stick out. This used to happen to me all the time. You know, I'd walk into these brokerages in Hugo Boss suits and decked out, and they'd yeah. call me Wall Street. Ah, here comes Wall Street. Here comes, <laughs> here comes Hollywood. But look, that's that was kind of always my MO. And as much as you may get those jokes and stuff, I guarantee you at the highest level, they respected it too. They respect it and they remember it. Yeah, they remember sure. it, right? You know, and you don't have to you don't have to have a thousand dollar sport coast that you see Brent Warsuga wearing at conferences. <laughs> To, to to go to an interview, but you you, you need you know, and I, I think you started off that 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 video too. So you know, yeah. the used to be the biggest decision is do I wear a tie or not? 
that was very real. I mean, I'm going to be 47 and maybe that's just the era that I came up, but that was exactly what it was. I remember having asked in the company, that was the only question you asked. It wasn't, do I wear slacks? Do I wear a belt? Do I tuck in my shirt? It was, how formal do I talk? Yeah, it really is. I mean, I'm I'm the same age. So, I mean, so, I mean, it's same here. You know, I always went to to interviews with with suits. I always went to sales meetings. Well, and here's that's and that was great point or something. Beyond just the uh, beyond just the interview, how are you going out to service your clients? How are you going out when you do get that FaceTime? How are you showing up on Zoom? Right. Number one, presentation is a big thing. Number two, you know, I'm very big on energy. I think sales and recruiting is an exchange of energy. You have to make people feel something when they engage with you. Either they're going to feel bored, disengaged, defeated, or they're going to raise up a little bit. Their posture is going to be good. They're going to be like, wow, there's something memorable about this person. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to give you some business, right? So those are, again, Mm -hmm. controllable items. You can't fake it. Some people try and they fake it and I can see it. But when it's authentic and it's real and you're passionate around what you do and the company you're behind, that should come through as well. It should, and if it doesn't, you need to find a new profession or, or, or a passion where you can do that because you're never going to be successful if you're not truly passionate about what you're doing. Hundred percent. And how do you become passionate about freight brokerage? Right, like that can be a tricky question. I think what you can be passionate about is helping people, solving problems, being a one-stop solution, being the person that they're going to lean on. Because guess what? When you do that. You want to know what that leads to? It's called this magic world referrals. You have yes. to remember in sales and business, people don't want to have 20 vendors. They don't want to have to go search for somebody else. They want one person who can solve their problem. And when you do that, we all talk behind the scenes and they're going to give your name to somebody else. Every yep. client is the most important client. Over deliver, service them, be accessible, solve problems and watch what happens. Yep. I know a guy. I know a guy. That's who you want to be. That's it. And and look, that can be, hey, Kevin, who's your landscaper, your barber, your attorney, your your financial advisor? You Mm -hmm. don't think people ask, who's your 3PL provider? Who's your recruiter? Are you top of mind or not? Bottom line. That's all that matters. And you know what? If if you get good at something, you're going to enjoy it. Moment. I mean- yeah, yeah well, it builds confidence too. Like when you yeah. start to stack up these wins, of course you're going to have confidence, and confidence comes from competence. Start with the competence part first, right? How much mm-hmm. do you truly know the market? Are you still now? We can go down a real red. Now you got me going. But are you spending nights going on TikTok and Instagram, and you see what I say, watching other people, or are mm-hmm. you studying the market? Are you reading books? Are you um, seeing where you can provide value to your clients, right? You can go one of two ways. I focus yep. on my network, not Netflix. I like that. You just gave me something else <laughs> right there. And, and I'm the same way. I'd rather be reading books. I'd, I'd rather be studying, right? And and I go back to this. You're a big reader and you're talking about it right now is sales is a profession. It is no different than being a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, a college professor, you think that they graduate and that's the last thing, you know, there's no continuing education. They're not reading articles. They're not staying abreast of, of all the situations. If you want to be taken seriously, you got to know your shit. 
And here's the thing. Look, I'm a, I do think I'm a really good recruiter, but you know what it really boils down to? Reps. 22 yep. years into this game, I have a lot more repetition. Just like Tiger Wood has putted a lot more than us. Steph Curry has taken a lot more jump shots than us, right? Mm-hmm. That is their skill. That is their, that is their thing. That's their craft. Yep. How much are you working on your craft? Are you role playing behind the scenes, yep. in the shower, like on your drive into the office? Like I'm always talking to myself and working on things or having people listen to me or whatever. And if you're not there yet, this is a very big, important thing too. Are you studying the successful people in your office? Every office has a couple handful of people that are winning at a big level. Those should be the people you're gravitating towards. Those could be the people you're asking to go to lunch and buddying up with, right? Not the people watching Barstool and wondering what parlays they're going to put in. (laughs) And that goes back to competing with yourself, right? You're competing with yourself. You're pushing yourself uh, all that that time, right? If you're pushing yourself, you're going to grow. You're going to expand. You're going to get better, and you get better to the guys who are worried about the parlays, who who are worried about Monday Night Football, who are worried about trades. You know, who's trading what, and who cares? I honestly think it's very easy to win because I think people are so distracted. Whether yep. it be from their phone or who they're going to pick for fantasy football, people are distracted. If you have the ability to just put your darn phone down and lock in, even if you do this in 30-minute blocks, well, mm-hmm. you know, look, people can't put this thing down too long, myself included. I can put it down for 30 minutes, put blinders on, and get stuff done. If you start to do that throughout the day, I think you would be amazed at the productivity that comes with it. You will be amazed by it because that's, that's what it takes, putting it down. And if you're going to pick it up, don't watch TikTok. Don't watch Instagram. Don't do not do the Read something. Look, you know, it's very hard to do multiple things at once. I don't care what it is. Yeah. Chew gum, walk, shoot hoops, and, and the throw plates in the air. I mean, you can't do two things at once. Be present. Focus where you are. Right. Become intentional. And again, it's just I think a lot of people, unfortunately, not do that. And a lot of people do it because life is kind of like a bell curve in a lot of ways. Most people are going to be average. And that's what average people do. And, and it's, it's hard truth of life, right? That's what they're going to do. They're going to be average. They're going to make an average wage. They're going to be an average professor. They're, they're going to be average in, in just about everything in, in the work life. You know? Not, not, you not, 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 nothing I want around me. I'll tell you that. I know. I, nothing I want around me either. You know? I, I, I care more about net worth than Netflix as well, you know, and that's where my mind is. Net worth is where my mind is 99% of the day. Yep. And I think, look, I think that if, if everybody had that standard and expectation in their company, in their household, in their community, think what a better place we would be. Yep. And it goes down to it starts with yourself. Look, people pay attention. Right. Whether you admit it or not, people watch what you do. And when you can raise that bar and become a dynamic person who's doing things at a high level, you're motivating somebody to build in some self-belief, whether you know it or not. Your good, important piece of advice from Brent or Suga, as always. Um, I think I think, look, as we wrap up the second part of the year, I think it's really just important for people to uh, assess where they are. Like we're a little bit past the halftime mark of the year. 
But that's something that I try to coach people through too, right? Nothing changes if nothing changes. The half time of a year, which I did a video on this, is for adjustments. I don't care what sport you're in, business mm -hmm. is a sport, and it's the hardest sport. You have to do assessment throughout the course of your year and through your career. Is this working? Is this not? Is this environment where I can win? Is this commission model going to get me to where I need to be? Are all the accounts taken for? Is this operational team behind me to uh, support me? If you can answer yes to a lot of questions, stay put and get after it. But if not, what are you doing? Talking about adjustments, I have a question for you. It is, why is it so hard for some people to to, to focus on what, what's working well and drop what's not? It seems like people hold on to things that don't really work for far too much longer than maybe. Uh, I think I think comfort, I think fear of the unknown, and I think some people in hard markets just clench up and hope that they don't get the email or call on a Friday afternoon that they're going to be fired, right? And so when you come from a place like that, it's almost coming from a negative fear-based yeah. environment where you're doing just enough to not get fired. You're doing the bare minimum to skate through. Think about that. It's a terrible yeah. place to be. Oh, no, it's horrible. I, I've been there before in my life, and it, it is horrible. Uh, you have no creativity. Risk is is just off the table. You're not going to take any risk. You're going right. to do things that are by the book, even if they're not working. You're playing tight. Nobody yeah. plays sports tight. Nobody does sales tight, right? You have to be pressure-free to perform. And so going back to what you say, why don't people make adjustments? I think it's for fear. Fear of change, fear of pushing themselves, fear of being exposed that, oh my gosh, I tried that and it didn't work, right? Look, it doesn't take any effort to stay at the bottom. It doesn't take any effort to be a loser, average. It takes everything in you to go above and beyond that. So when was the last time you pushed yourself? When was the last time you went and did something hard? See, doing hard things is a muscle. I do hard things all the time, a lot of it physically, right? Because I'm trying to build up that muscle that when business turns, when things get hard, I'm not so crushed by it. It doesn't defeat me. It may hurt me, like in boxing. Yeah. I'll tell you, one of my favorite scenes that I live off of is Apollo Creed versus Rocky, right? And yeah. Apollo knocks him down, and there's this look that he has on the face when Rocky just gets back up. Like, holy smokes, right? This guy will not go away. And I feel like that's an approach that many people have to take in life. You got to keep showing up. You have to keep showing up and getting after it, surprising people that, goodness gracious, this guy just will not quit. And when you do that, yeah. things will happen, right? And you can separate yourself so easily amongst the average Joes when you do that. Let's talk about the fear of mistakes, right? Because there are two types of mistakes, right? Hey, if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying is one. There's good mistakes. And those mistakes are, like you said, just going, keeping after it keep doing it. Then there's the bad mistakes where those more stressful mistakes, it's, it's living in a system of fear, right? You have the fear mistakes where you're treading water, but then you have the mistakes where you're just experimenting. And that's a, this a, a, how I think of it. I think it's a good way to think, hey, all these failures, I'm just experimenting. I'm trying to find the, the right mix. And yeah. it's going to be a rocky, bumpy road. I just have to keep after it because I just have to be right once. Yeah, I mean, I, I live off a motto, these are lessons, not losses. Lessons, yep. not losses, right? And when you take that approach, be like, oh, we'll do that again. Or, wow, I'm glad I took that call. Like, 
Sometimes you just got to go through. Not everything you learn is going to be in a book or a podcast. The best lesson, the best teacher is real life experiences, screwing up, dropping the ball, right? Learning that way because it's only going to make you more immune for the next time it happens because guess what? It's going to happen. So going back to what we said about being a problem solver, you want to embrace problems. Mm -hmm. How can you solve problems if you haven't seen a hundred different versions of it? Yeah. Or if you're scared of them. If you're scared of problems, if you're scared scared of failures, if you're scared of making mistakes, um, look, there's some people that run into the fire and some people that run away, black and white. That's all it is, right? And the people that run into the fire and are willing to feel the heat usually are the ones that sustain and win. Bottom line, it is, it is. Mr. Activity and Attitude himself, Brent Orsuga, (laughs) thanks for dropping by. Put that coffee today. Uh, It's always great talking to you. Oh, I appreciate the time, and I hope this gave value to people, too. Just get after it, right? The, the, we're yeah. out of the bottom. We're on the other side of the coin. Ball games are won in quarter three and quarter four, so now's the time. It is the time. It is the time. Get ready for the second half, because that's where it's at. That is where it's at. Well, thank you again, and uh, for all our listeners out there, you can find Brent on LinkedIn. Uh, he's there all the time. Great videos. Go check out his content. And um, you can always download all our past episodes here over the last, I don't know, three and a half years or something. Uh, I'll put that coffee down and, and Brent's old episode uh, from back in the day and, uh, and go from there. But until then, go out, make some sales, make some origin, make some mistakes, activity and attitude. Don't worry about anything else except for that. I got friends only want to talk business. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I've been reading all the work. And I've been shutting down the stars.